0: second Corinthians chapter 11. the teens can go. the teenagers can go. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 if you will and uh, we're going to come one more time here uh, before the summer break if you will. the solstice was every was le- this past weekend's everything and uh, I want to just look one more time here at the issue of the grace reset. we started it uh, this is actually lesson number 16. <laughs> believe it or not. So we started it a little bit ago, and uh, we began by understanding that as we come into 2023 and the things going on in the world about us, that we have to kind of sometimes, from time to time, kind of reset our thinking about just some kind of core doctrines. And uh, we began that by looking at, well, what does Scripture say? What sayeth the Scripture? And uh, then we looked about, talked about the real you, your body, soul, and spirit, your spirit, soul, and body, how you're made up, how you're designed to function. And in that, then we talked about the issue of building in the, uh, the, the strong believers and the edification process and doctrine, reproof, and correction, and instruction, and we began to build that into our inner man. And then we talked about here and what we're all about here. Then we went over and we introduced the grace life to you, and in introducing the grace life to you, we talked about the issues of, the, again, the Word of God, the fact that you and I do have the Word of God today, and in the English language, in a King James Bible, and when we're going to come there is our final authority, in all matters of practice and faith and everything, it's going to sit here. Then we began to talk about how to know the will of God, and the fact that you can know the will of God, it is very knowable. <laughs> And, and it's not a mystery thing. It's not a hidden thing where you got to guess. He tells you in His Word. That moved us into talking about and looking at how God does work today. How, you know, the big, inter, the big words, intervention and chastening, and how He really does that through Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction. There's your, your intervention Instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, fully furnished, um, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay, and we began and we we looked at that issue, and then we looked at the issue of prayer and how prayer is the is, is the energizer, bunny. It's the the mechanism that gets it all to get going in the sufficiency of God's grace. And we talked about forgiveness, and we went and talked about giving. And what it is to give in the age of grace and the dispensation of grace. And mixed in there was a Mother's Day, and last week was Father's Day. By the way, I got several folks, you were talking about me on Father's Day. No, I wasn't. I was not talking about anybody specific. I was talking about raising godly generations. And if, if you thought I was talking about you, then God got you, okay? <laughs> not Rick, but the word got you, Okay. And, uh, but uh, anyway, so we did that. This morning, I just want to look at some things with you. Just, and I titled it, Simple Maturity. Because the ultimate of having our minds reset and, our, and having our thinking brought back into, and again, from time to time, we need that. From time to time, you know, you get all caught up in what's going on in the world. Even when you don't watch the news, even when you don't pay attention to, to Facebook or any of that, you still get caught up into things and so forth. Linda and I, yesterday, we were out most of the day. and we got home, we turned the news on. We watched the news to the weather lady, and then we're done. Okay, So we were watching the news, and it happened to be the national news, and it was about all the stuff going on in Russia over there and the, the rebellion. And I'm like, look at that. We didn't, didn't even know. Didn't bother. does not bother. now, you not. But now, what you think about it? And you're looking. At it, you know. Argh, you know. And sometimes you just need to be caught back here, and 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 there's a maturity issue in that, and there's there's a simplicity to this issue here, In First Second uh, Corinthians eleven, verse one. Would to God you would could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed, bear with me. Paul has been dealing with the Corinthians, and they've been making an accusation against him, and he's dealing with it. And he's going to come in, and he's, he's going to draw their attention to the facts that he was doing things not like the religious guys that are amongst their midst, making them, you do this, or else you just don't get my okay. And he's dealing with that, and he says, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, by the way, that is not the bride of Christ. Nowhere in that passage is he talking about the bride of Christ being the church. What is he saying? I espoused you. How did the Corinthians get into Christ? It was through who? Paul, his ministry. By the way, how did you get into Christ? By Paul's My Gospel you see, he's a spouse Jew. Then he says, a chaste virgin. You know what a chaste virgin is? Pure of heart. Purity. A pure thinking here. See, as a, as a chaste virgin. Corinthians, you're to have some pure thinking here. Believers, members of the church, we're to have a chaste, vir- pure thought pattern here. It's very interesting in Scripture, especially like in 1 Corinthians 7 when he talks about virgins and so forth. And you, and you study that issue out, it isn't always a, a married or not married scenario. It's, a lot of the times it's how you think about things, how you're going to work through things, and you're to do it with a, with a chasteness, a pureness to it. When you look at others around you, I hope you look at them in a very pure manner of, these folks need a Savior, and they're lost. So, I'm going to do my best to do that, interact with him on that level, rather than he's just an idiot, he cut me off in traffic, so I give him a wave. It isn't that at all, see. You're to you have a thought process. That thought process comes, and the reason we struggle with it is in verse 3. But I, but I fear. No, notice the fear here, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve beguiled, to cast a spell over. When Eve in Genesis 3 sees the, sees the adversary in the garden, he's not a snake wrapped around an apple tree. Not, by the way, it's not an apple tree. It's the vine, it's the, the grape, the fruit of the grape. See? When, he, when she sees him there, he's cast a spell over her. By the way, in Genesis 3, the reason he's called a serpent is that's a description of his character. He's a snake. He's devilish. He's deceitful. He's a trickster. See? He's going to be the crooked serpent later. So what she saw was Superman, if you will. Yeah, I, I always think about the, the romance novels of back in the day, and it was Fabio all buffed out on the thing, flowing hair. That's what she saw. He presented himself in such a manner as to be the most beautiful creature she's ever seen. And she has seen a lot of beautiful creatures, the angelic realm and so forth. And yet here's one that is shining brighter than any of them. He beguiled her through his subtlety. He's going to use a sneak attack here. It isn't going to be a frontal attack. He's going to ask her a simple question. Yea, hath God said... Did God's word really say that? Now, by the way, you hear a lot of that today, don't you? Well, God's word says, blah, blah, you know, and then when you go look at it, guess what you find out? God's word never said any of that. Man's just making it say that so they can come and attack you or a certain group of people, whatever. And it's like, wait a minute. By the way, how many animals did Noah put on the ark? Zero. God put them on the ark. Go read it. Well, everybody will say 2 by 2. No, he had he had seven of the unclean, or seven of the clean animals. He had a lot more going on in the ark than what we've been what. Well, the Bible says, how do you know? Really? Let's go look at it. That's why we did what saith the scripture. What's our final authority? We come in here, and you know what? You know why? Because the serpent did that to man in the garden in the very beginning. He beguiled her. He drew her away. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And Paul pulls this out for the Corinthians because they're not thinking properly. They're not thinking as a chaste virgin would think and have a mindset of, of a pure... They're Rather, they've been, verse 4, if he, and that's the guy doing the attacking, that cometh, preacheth... Notice it's a preacher. It's someone standing up with the voice of authority... Preaches another Jesus whom we have not received, not preached, or if you've received another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, what are they doing? They're falling for the attack. And Paul is like, wait a second, guys, you need to go back and remember Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve. What did Satan do? Yea, hath God said. What's this guy doing? He's preaching, he's, yea, God said, and he's got a Jesus, he's got another spirit, he's got another gospel, and he's doing everything he's scriptural but not dispensational. Somebody's singing. Oh, front row. Woo! Yeah, right there. No. Yeah, that's the that's the law side of the room. Okay. Get her. Yeah. So, what is Satan doing? He's using God's words. He's using good words and fair speeches, Romans 16. See? He comes in, so the first issue in in, in some simple maturity is that what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to rest on what God's word says. And when the adversary or someone else comes up and says, Hey, does God really say that? What are we going to say? Yes, he does. And here's the verses. Now, you're in 2 Corinthians 5. Look over at chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. You see, when we come to the Word of God, and what does God say about you and I? Well, if we're in Christ, we have a what? We have an identity, don't we? If, by the way, if you're in Adam, you know what you have? An identity, a position in Adam that results in what? Death, the second death. If you're in Christ, you have an identity, you have a position, it's called positional truth, and that is life, a newness of life. In Adam, you have a deadness of life, and in the Lord, you have a newness of life. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, what? New creature. There's our new man. There's a new identity. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's a new thing here. We're a new. If any man beware in Christ. Now come to Romans 6, because when you think about the issue of identity, position, Romans 6 is where you got to go. Now I know there's a whole list of in the in the references. And we may never get out of Romans 6 the rest of this morning, and that's okay. Because what happens is your maturity comes when you understand who you are. That's where your maturity comes. Your maturity doesn't come with being over here doing something second. got to come through this right here. And when we went through Romans 6 in, the, in, in our uh, Sunday school hour uh, several years ago now, <laughs> apparently, Um we spent time looking at the, look at verse 3. Just start here. Just read down through this. Look at the first three words Know ye not. This is something you're to know. It's something you're to understand. It's something to, to come into your life and be an a integral part of life. That's where maturity is going to come from. By the way, know ye not. Well, what do we know? Chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by what? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being. You be justified. That's who you are. You're not Romans 3.23, For all of sinned comes short of the glory of God. You are what? You're Romans 5.1, justified. So because you're justified... Because the justice of God says, you you trusted in Calvary and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and faith and faith in that alone. I'm going to therefore apply my perfect righteousness to you. I'm going to impute that. I'm going to put it to your account because what the justice of God demands is perfect righteousness. And you don't have it. He says, I have it. He was made to be sin. So that he can do what? Make us righteous. See? And when he did that, what now we've got to do is he says, because I gave you my son, because you trusted him, I have given you eternal life, I've secured you, your, your security is set, and now I'm going to give you a position in Christ. And this position here is going to be based upon Christ. Know ye not. I love that. Know ye not. By the way, if you look down at verse 6, knowing this. Verse 9, knowing that. Verse 11, likewise reckon ye also. See that? Know ye not. Uh, Verse 16, know ye not. It's all through here. These are some things you're to know, you're to come to understand, and then take and put into the details of life. What you're doing is you're putting on a uniform. And that uniform says, in Christ. And it's a great thing when you catch what's happening here. Know ye not, verse 3, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That tells you that baptism is not always water. And water doesn't belong in this passage at all. Because what water baptism is, is it's your energy, it's you doing something to help the cause. His, he doesn't need your help, the cause is settled. 5.1, you be justified. So baptism in Scripture, just the word in Scripture, just simply means to identify, identification. When the Lord was baptized of John the Baptist in River Jordan down there, he was made, John says, he was made manifest to his his people, to Israel. He was shown to be, here's the guy that's matching Isaiah and Ezekiel and all these passages, here he is, boom, he's the guy. And I'm the one doing it. No, you're not. Therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death. So we're identified with his death and with his burial. So when Christ says it is finished and dies on Calvary, what the revelation given to the Apostle Paul does, is shines a big bright floodlight on that and says when he did that and because you trusted him, Romans 1 to 5, now it's yours. You see, when he died, you were not on his mind. I'm sorry. Do you know who was on his mind? His Father, and accomplishing what Scripture needed him to accomplish. By the way, Matthew 1.21 says he's saving who? His people. What Paul does is shines a light over there, and he says, Oh, but by the way, do you know whose mind you were really on? The Father's mind. Because it's going to be the Father that now says what? You're buried with him. You're identified with him. Because now it's going to be the, Ephesians 1, the will of the Father is made known. You follow what's happening here? And Paul's revelation, he says, listen, you're buried with him. By baptism into death, that, now watch, verse 4 like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He died, gave you his death. He buried, gave you his burial, but then he gave you his resurrection life. For the Lord Jesus Christ, that's called immortality. He's never to be dead. He's never to die again. He's, he's never going to be hit again. Hebrews says he died once for all. It's the done deal. You are co-identified with that. Romans 8, over there in Romans 8, he's going to say you're a, an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. What he gave his son, he's going to give to you. Verse 5, for if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you know why you have to be resurrected at the rapture event, the gathering together? Because of that verse right there. Because if I died like he died and I did, then guess what I have to be? Resurrected like he did. And how was he resurrected? Up from the grave he arose. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? You see, this is who you are. Well, I don't want to be that. Tough, tough. This is who you are. Now, you may not go live in it. That's your business. That's your problem. That's your decision. Knowing this. Look at that. Okay, I know something, don't I? What do I know? I have a co-oneness with his death, burial, and resurrection life, newness of life. I know that. So now, what? knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed. You see the D on the end of that word? Don't just say free. You are freed. Past tense. It is a done deal from sin. You see? You're, sin has no control over you. Why? Because I, Calvary paid for it all. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I'm under this new message, this new thing that Paul is shining the big light on. Therefore, sin doesn't have dominion. When sin runs your life, you know who let sin run your life? You did. You decided that. Well, God just doesn't run. No, God's word says you decided it. Because what's my identity? I'm freed from it. So then I choose to allow it to do what? Come in and Verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died uh, unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now verse 3 to 10 is the facts. That's the doctrine. You can't change the facts. You can argue with them, but the facts are still going to be the winner. Now watch verse 11. Because what's the first word? Likewise. Likewise. Okay, do you see how the facts work? Mm-hmm. Christ died how many times? Just once. Did death have, does death have dominion over him? Nope. He, he took care of it. He died. He's alive unto who? To God. That's the Father. That's the facts. What else are the facts? I have an, a co-identity with that what? Same condition, death, burial, and resurrection. I'm never going to die. Now, I may physically die. They're, they're like, they're, we were talking, there are five deaths. One of them is physical death. Okay? If the Lord tarries, and I get through the afternoon, <laughs> okay, I'm going to die. Guess what? So are you. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's okay. Why? Because absent from the body, present with the Lord. I got a good hope. But I've got an identity here. I'm never going to see the what? The second death. The death that pays for all of the sins in the lake of fire. Why? Because he took care of that. That's my identity. He buried them. Covered them. Not covered them up, but just he buried them. The finality of it. You see, burial is a finality of the death. But then he had life. I got that. So verse 11, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's your identity, verse 11. Because who are you? I'm in Christ, and I reckon, I, likewise, I reckon, what a great accounting word. I counted it to be so. I reckoned it out here. This is who I am. And be, likewise, reckon yourselves to be what? Deed and deed unto sin, dead and deed unto sin. So when I see sin, what do I, first thing I think about is I'm dead to that activity. So then I go, well, why did I do it? And we backtrack and we go, we we'll never make that decision again because that stinker stunk the room up. And I'm not going to do that again. So I put it over here. I've learned to be content. I've been instructed how to be a I'm learning here. Then I come over here, and all of a sudden that sin pops up. And I go, nope, we're not doing that because that bad boy laid a big, bad leg. I'm going to come here. And what did I do? I'm counting it. I'm putting this into who I am. But alive unto who? Man, I can go over here, and I can live righteously, soberly. I can live for God. I can come. Up, I can make a decision here. So let's make a decision. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members. See, the yielding is your job. You're doing it. What's my condition? Verse 11, I'm dead to sin and alive to God through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then what should I not be doing? Yielding, giving in to it. Letting it, even letting it on the, the table for a thought, a discussion. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That, there's your identity. There you are positionally. You're in Christ. You've got this new identity. Our old identity in Adam, it just led to death and sin and destruction. And this new identity this new position that I have. And and by the way, that little word in is so critical because it's what? In Christ. In Adam. So we begin to learn that everything Christ has, we now inherit. You come over there to Ephesians 1, verse 3. By the way, you can finish that, that, that passage in Romans 6, we're not done with it because <laughs> he says, you know what? You can't serve two masters down there in verse 16. you got to pick one. And the one you pick to obey is the one that's going to run your life. And if you pick it to sin and unrighteousness, it's going to end in death. But if you pick righteousness and who you are in Christ, it will be life even today. It's a very interesting. Ephesians 1, verse 3, blessed be God and Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. Where is this all at? It's in Christ. Where am I? I'm in Christ. So where should I be thinking? Where should should my mind be? The simplicity that's in Christ. Let's go sit over here by the pool and enjoy the shade of of Christ. Yeah, but Rick, you don't know. No, let's come back over here. Yeah, but what about the? Yeah, uh, no, let's come back over here. It's taking that, have that chaste virgin thinking, if you will. This is who I am. I'm going to sit right here, and I'm going to enjoy this. Come, come over with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. Just verse 30. We started the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. In our study in the first hour, and we'll, it's a great book of uh, doctrine. It's a great book of corrective doctrine, and it's wonderful here. Verse 30, after Paul has, has put the issue on the table with the Corinthians, the Corinthians have gone after human wisdom. They've forsaken godly wisdom. They're over here dabbling in hu- human wisdom, and he says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. They were glorying in their human wisdom, and Paul rebukes them and says, That's not who you are. Who you are and who God has made unto us is they've taken Jesus, you're in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. Here's what Christ Jesus has been made to you and I He's our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's who you are. Come over to Galatians chapter 2. The passage in 6.11 there in 1 Corinthians. You need Galatians 2. He says, And such were some of you, but you ye are washed. You're sanctified. This is who you are. You're not that over there. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2, verse number 20. This verse hangs on the back wall, so you're reminded of it uh, weekly. Daily, I am crucified with Christ Jesus, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, when I get up in the morning and I go to work, when I get up in the morning and I go down here and I do whatever you do in your daily, where am I doing that in? I'm doing it as who I am in Christ. That's a sobering thought. What am I doing? Well, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to cuss out the neighbor. You're going to go do it in Christ. Ooh. Well, I'm going to go over here and just give him a piece of my mind. What's left of it? I'm going to give it to him. You're going to do it in Christ. That ought to slow you down. It should. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Here's life. Here's all my life. My life is His life. By the faith of the Son of God. What did the Son of God do? Not my will, but thy will, Father. That's what I'm coming to do. I'm not coming to do my thing. I'm coming to do the will of the Father. So every time the Father spoke and said something, the Lord turns and says, the words that I speak, they're not my words, they're his words. And when the things you see me do, they're not my works, they're his works. What is the faith of the Son of God? What did he do? Go to Calvary and die. He was complete obedience to the word of God, the Father. You and I ought to live the same way. What does the Word of God say to you? Who are you? I'm in Christ. I got this new identity. I'm freed from that mess over there, and I shouldn't be living that way. Titus 2. Titus 2. This is later on, but we're going to get at it here now. Titus 2. You see, folks, when he says, by the faith of the Son of God, he's not talking about some hierarchy thing that you'll never attain. He just simply takes the Word of God and says, that's what I'm going to do. So when that word says, this is who I am, then guess what? That's who I am. When that word says, this is who you are not, then guess what? That's not who I am. And when that word says, you need to grow up and pay attention to details, that's what I'm going to do. When that word says, boy, you're doing good, then guess what? That's what I'm doing. Look at Titus 2, 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Phase 1, past, it's appeared, it's there, the salvation teaching us, here's phase two, the, the, the present, the, the, the sanctification, the walk, the grace of God is going to teach us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How should I be living? What's that book say? Well, I think you're being a little legalistic, Rick. Shame on you for running to a cop-out answer of religion. Grow up. It's what we're talking. Mature. And by the way, this is very simple. I just got to trust that word. I got to believe that, take that word, put it. What should I do? Denying. You know what denying is? It's stopping it. You want to stop sin in your life? Stop. It's that simple. Oh, but Rick, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a choice of your will to, you know what? I'm going to go live soberly, soberly, clearly thinking righteously, and godly in this present world. By the way, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope, there's phase three of salvation, and that's the future glorification. That's where we're all headed. Woohoo! So when you think about this, when he says, the faith of the Son of God, come back to, to Colossians, he's, when you think about this, And he says, the life which I now live in the flesh I live by. You and I are to come along and we're to do exactly what Jesus did in his earthly ministry when he walked the earth. And that is obey the word of the Father that was given to him as who he was to go and accomplish. You and I we have the same we have a word from God given to you and I today and the church the body of Christ in the dispensation of grace that we're to go and to do and what we are to do then is we're to take our lives in the moment and use that opportunity use the stage of our lives and the thinking of our days to bring honor and glory to him to be his ambassador We have to grow up into that there's some maturing into that Colossians 3, if, if just real quick here, verse number 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, who is your life? Christ, what am I to do? Verse 1 and 2, I'm to set my affections on things above, and I'm to go seek those things. Verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, does that mean I can't love my kids? No, it doesn't mean that, dummy. That's such an ignorant statement. It just drives me nuts. He's not talking about you not loving your wife or husband or any of that. He's talking about what's driving you, your affection. That's what drives you. What motivates you to drive the fastest car in the parking lot? What drives you to drive the the slowest car in the parking lot? That's your affection. See, I love speed, by the way, uh, going fast. Clarify that, okay? You know, and I know that if I have a motorcycle that goes real fast, then I'll see you in glory. So I used to ride a Harley. Why? Can't go that. Well, you can, by the way, you can go fast on a Harley. <laughs> but not, all right? What what the affection, what's driving you? It needs to be what? The right thinking. That's why down in verse 9 and 10, he'll tell you, verse 8, 9, 10, he'll tell you, you need to put off the old man and you need to put on the new man. See. And what happens is, is we have an identity. And that identity, go back to 2 Corinthians 11 quickly here, because I have to be done at noon today. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is where? In Christ. The adversary knows that everything we just talked about for the last half hour is simple. He knows it. He knows that every, that identity and living life in that identity is the simplicity because what did Eve have? Remember Adam and Eve? They were what? They were made, they were created in the image and in the likeness of God. They were perfect humanity. No sin. No mar. They were. They had a. They had a coat of many colors about them. They had that rainbow. the 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 picture of the throne room of God, and He's a. He, God is clothed in light, and when the light shined, in, He had the, They had on as their uniform, if you will, as their position. This rainbow, this color coat of many colors, so that when the creatures out there would see Adam and Eve, they would know that that's God's people right there. And He told them what. You got all this out here, just don't touch, don't eat, no, don't, not touch, don't eat. Okay, touches the law. Eve adds that in, by the way. The moment they ate of that tree, what'd they do? Their light went out, and that coat of many colors went away. And they were duped, they were moved away. They were seduced away by the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and the lust of the flesh, the three mechanisms that get all of humanity. So what is Satan doing to you? Same thing. Let's draw you away. How am I going to draw you away? Verse 4, another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. I'm going to be scriptural because you're a believer, you're a saint, and you know that book's the answer, so we're going to use scripture but just not be dispensational. And we're going to move you away. Satan knows, Acts 20, that Paul says, let the word of his grace build you up, verse 32. He knows that, so how do I not, call, how do I not allow you to be built up? move you away from the word of His grace. He knows, Romans 16, verse 25, He says, Now the power of Him to to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret, but now is made manifest. He knows I can draw you away by keeping you out of my gospel and out of preaching. He can draw you away. He knows that. He knows that He can come in and... Cause you to not renew your mind. He he knows that. And he doesn't have to use a big trick to do it. He's using the scriptures. What you've fallen in love with, he's just moved you away. And Paul says, maturity won't do that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Maturity doesn't do that. Actually, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 13. Are you with me? This, folks, this is so simple, it's scary. Because what, and it's just like 1 Corinthians 13. It's just like the issue of the gospel. The very fact that God said, I'm going to send my son to die for the sins of humanity. And what allows you to have my approval is simply faith in that shed blood. And that's it. And then I'm going to come in and I'm going to give you forgiveness and I'm going to apply justification and I'm going to just front load you with everything. That is so simple. Man goes, can't be that simple. i got to help him. God says, oh, please don't help me. Because if you think you have to help God to get saved, then what you're telling him is that the death of his son was never enough. And how rude can you be? Because that's a rude thing to think and to say. First Corinthians 13. This is the great love chapter. Okay? And it isn't love, it's charity. And charity is the end, the result, it's the end of the commandment, he says to Timothy. And charity, if you would think about charity, charity is love in action. Okay? It's, a, it's an outward working, it's a moving forward. And but in verse 13, at the end, now what's happening, just so you understand. From verse 4 down, where, where Paul, charity suffereth long and everything, the Corinthians were not doing this and saying that they were. They're not. Paul says, no, this is what charity looks like. If you've got to suffer long and is kind, that's actions. That's activity. That isn't always just this. But look at verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Now, we'll leave the, the details to uh, another study. But at the end here, what Paul is laying out for the body of Christ is the, actually the three marks of spiritual maturity the three things that make up spiritual maturity. Because in chapter 14, he's going to move in to seek the best gift, and that's the issue of prophecy and edifying. And, oh, by the way, the completed word of God is going to replace that and so forth. And off you go, and here are the seven rules and all that good stuff. But what Paul does is, is if you guys, you guys at Corinthians, if you, Corinth, if you want to be mature, what do you have to have? Three things, faith, hope, and charity. Now, it's interesting. Come over with me to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, so faith, resting in the foundation of the Word of God. Hope, God's Word has set before us a hope that He will accomplish. Hope, the future expectation of a wonderful event. Charity, which is the source of all the sound doctrine working in your life. And that literally comes to the understanding of we are valuing and esteeming each other and things the way that God does. We literally put on His thinking 24-7. We put on the mind of Christ. And we come along and we we get to working. Now, 1 Thessalonians 1, you see all three show up at what is called by most the perfect church. By the way, the Thessalonians were not perfect. They had some issues, and he deals with them. But they say, here's how a church ought to look and operate. Well, look at verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. So, yeah, there's all three, isn't it? It's very interesting when you go through Scripture. Not only do you see Paul use terms like wisdom and understanding and knowledge, the gold, silver, and precious stone language. But he also uses faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and love. But the love here is, is the issue of charity. It's action. So we've got a work of faith. Now, draw your eye across the page to verse 9 and 10. And watch him illustrate it here. For they themselves show of us what mannering of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turn to God from idols. There's the work of faith to serve the living and true God. There's the labor of love. What am I doing? I'm serving the true and living God. And, verse 10, to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. There's the patience of hope. What am I doing? I'm patiently waiting for the Son. You've got all three. You've got a labor of love. You've got a work of faith. We have the Word of God. Folks, here, so here's the, the simplicity. Here's the simple maturity right here. What do we have? We have the work of faith. We have the Word of God empowering our lives because we believe it. Look at 1 Thessalonians. Just turn to chapter 2 and look at verse 13. We believe the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I've got the word of God, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to believe it. When people say to me, Rick, that verse just isn't working. My pad answer is, is, you ain't believing the verse. You know why? 1 Thessalonians 2.13 just told you and I that if I believe that verse, what's it going to do? It's going to work. It's going to have an effectual work. Then, back to, to chapter 1, I have a labor of love. Because I have the Word of God and because I believe it, now I have I can have a life motivated by gratitude and thanksgiving for all that God the Father has given me in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So now I can do what? I can go serve the true and living God with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. Well, Rick, but you don't know. No, that's what I'm to be doing, see. I'm to come over here, and I'm to serve. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, there, verse 14 and 15, he says, "We He died, we all know everybody's dead, so he died for all, that they which live should henceforth live not unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. And I butchered that verse, but I think you get the point. You see? That's the labor of love. I'm going to go work and serve him out of, from a part of, of thanksgiving. Gratitude that then will enable us to have our life sustained by the hope that we have in Christ. That he will one day, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who? Boy, what a hope. In this messed up world we live in, what a hope it is to know that In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we could be out of here. That's a great hope. That's a wonderful, powerful motivation. So go back to Galatians 2.20. These three, the work of faith, the labor of love, the patience of hope. Paul says, here's what spiritual maturity looks like. It's going to be a work of faith. We got God's word. We're going to to believe it, let it empower our life. That's then going to come over here and motivate us to serve him out of love, a labor of love, of gratitude, of thanksgiving. And that's going to sustain that hope I have. Therefore, as I begin to build into my inner man, Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. All of that's going to result in us not leaving the simplicity that's in Christ. It's going to result in us not growing up in His grace, but rather it's going to result in us standing for Him. Standing there. In the Old Testament, David asked a question, who's going to stand in the breach? And a whole family out of the tribe, one of the tribes, I can't remember right now, come in and says, we will. I think it was the Rickabites or somebody like that. Anyway, yeah, well, that's a family. They're a great family. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he that's what Paul's getting at. This then allows us to look at life as who we are. In Christ. This allows us to live life in Galatians 2:20. I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I what live yet not I but Christ liveth in me. This allows us to look at life with an eye of understanding and not to be drawn away from the reality of life in Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to live in that reality. Do I still got to go work and pay the bills? Sure. Do I still got to raise the kids? Unfortunately, yes. Well, I chose to have them, so I got to, you know. That's last week's message. Yeah, I, I still got life. That's why he's talking about living. He's not talking about checking out. He's talking about living. But how am I going to do it? with some simple maturity, just a simple understanding of my identity and my work of faith and my labor of love and my patience of hope. And the fact that it is very simple, it's not hard to grasp at all. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the great, the reset stuff, the topics we've been talking about over the last 18, 19 weeks, I'm going to go in and I'm going to dig down in them. I'm going to study them out. And I'm going to get a, a ground on it, a hold on it. And I'm going to let that be what's motivating life. That, let that be what gets me through the nasties of the now and now that come. And we're going to reap that benefit right here, right now, in time. And it's all because that Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And all I have to do is simply trust that. I have, therefore, I get all of this. If I haven't, I get some other things that aren't so good. Death, hell, and the lake of fire. So trust the cross work of Christ in its totality. And the moment you do, you're blessed with all. You're complete. you got all of this spiritual blessings he just dumps in on you. 401k, everything right there, all good to go. And then he says, now take my book and study it so you know the benefits I've just given to you. So then you can do what? Go over here and live in it and rejoice in it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray that we would take your word, study it, and then go and live by it and live in it and live through it. That life that you would have us live, which is the life of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We realize that saying thank you is not enough, but that is all that you really desire. Because it comes from a heart of faith and a heart of gratitude for all that you have set forth for us today. And we'll give you the praise and you the honor and you the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.